dobara mere kaam mein samjhana the second thing is that you know many people often tell me and maybe next time i will do that that in pakistan and karachi and lahore if you want to do a workshop only do it for 2 hours and they said the best slot is saturday from 3 pm to 5 pm and nobody will come to you in the morning nobody will stay so long if you say 11 to 4 usko dekhkar log ghabra jayenge and they will be scared and you can do whatever you want you can start at 9 10 11 12 nobody is going to come to you before 2 230 i said no problem right why because that person is looking at it from how many people will come and i'm looking at it how many duas i can teach you my rather prefer to start in the morning and if somebody is 3 to 5 wala so he'll come at 3 o'clock no problem for me right kya kare actually you know when we were thinking about how to do this workshop and that's why i want to explain to you what i want you to get today because there's so many duas that i can't put them all in one workshop and it was very hard for me to select because then ultimately finally they asked me to select which ones to put in the powerpoint presentation and that was a very difficult thing for me to do because obviously the purpose of today's workshop is also to explain to you those duas to teach those duas not just to recite them and not for you to memorize them and that requires a few minutes for each dua so then they told me well you have this many hours and this many minutes and i said okay let's say 3 minutes for dua they said for 40 50 duas you can do and we had like a few hundred prepared but this also made me re- made me realize that this also shows you how much dua nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to make how much duas the anbiya used to make this third word that i put there salaf So salaf is a term used but it has been overemphasized in our deen it is a term that comes in one or two hadith for the sahaba tabi'in tabi'i tabi'in and rather as you can even say it's a term that the ulama used for those first three generations of sahaba tabi'in tabi'i tabi'in it's not equal to wahi it's not equal to quran it's not equal to sunnah but there's a notion that the prophet some said that the best of generations is mine khairul quruni qalni The best of generations is mine, yani sahabe kram, thumma ladina yulunuhum, and then those who follow them, tabin, thumma ladina yulunuhum, and those who follow them, yani the tabai tabin. The reason I want to show you that a little bit is that they made extra duas. So it's important to know that you're not, Islam does not say you have to confine yourself only to the transmitted duas in the Quran and Sunnah. Uh, and if we get a chance, although I don't know if we'll make it that far but there's a dua I mentioned to you people last night as well that a particular bedouin sahabi made in front of nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the last word here you will see his heart heart means that sometimes you may not be able to make dua with your tongue you may not be able to make dua with your words but dua can also be a qalbi amal and in fact that is very important because that has to be present even when you're making the duas that Allah Ta'ala has taught you in Quran because if your heart isn't in it if it's not heartfelt then the whole purpose of dua will be lost now the reason why Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala there are many reasons but one of the reasons why Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala out of his hidayah his guidance his rahman mercy taught us different duas in the Quran al-Karim and Nabi al-Karim sometimes shared his duas with Sahaba and some of his private duas and I will show you that as well Umm al-Mu'mineen Sayyidah Aisha she later shared with Sahaba 
Your Sahaba did not know those some of those du'as in the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. Later, Ummul Mu'mineen Sayyidah Aisha al-Wazam, she shared those du'as with rest of Sahaba, and then obviously then they shared that with the whole Ummah. Why was the Prophet ﷺ making those du'as? Because there was something going on in his heart. So another important thing when we try to learn or understand or study the du'as is what are the feelings behind these du'as and how can I get those feelings? And if anybody could successfully do that, could make these du'as with those feelings, then this is one of the greatest athkar, one of the greatest dhikr a person can do. And if a person can't make this dhikr known as du'a with heartfelt feelings, then there's no zikr some Sufi shaykh can give him that is going to ignite his heart if his heart cannot even be trained on how to feel the du'as of the Qur'an and Sunnah. And in fact, many of the mashayikh of the Sof and Tariqah, this was one of the major things they used to do, was actually teach people these du'as. But today we live in a day and age where people aren't interested in these du'as. They come and say, If you try to tell them this, no, 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 that I know, I've got books like that. Give me something else, like some super weird wazifa that I will make. But that's what people are like. Hmm? So, maybe it's just lack of awareness and lack of understanding and maybe we simply, this is so I'm showing you what our needs should be today, <coughs> that we should simply take the time out and try to understand what these du'as are. That I was mentioning to some of you, or maybe last night, the story that there was a great sheikh, his name was Sheikh Shabasila He was one of the great students and legatees of Sheikh Ashraf Ali Tanvinamtale. And when Sheikh Basilamte passed away, so his ulama students were crying and somebody asked them why? And they said, Because now we have nobody left to teach us du'as. And that's what he used to do. He actually used to teach Bakaida Darsteh, like we're going to try to do today, about the Sunnah Duas. And when you see some of these du'as also, you'll be amazed what happens when you look, especially at a sunnah du'a, the first thing, sometimes, that will all, not necessarily always happen, sometimes you will even be surprised that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is making this du'a. Because the Prophet is pure, he doesn't have sins, but he's making du'as as if he is a sinner. He's making du'as as if he's lost. The way he makes hidayah, Du'a for hidayah, it feels like somebody who's completely lost and astray would be begging for hidayah like that. But he's the most guided person ever in the history of humanity. Hmm? He's the most pure person ever in the history of humanity. Etc., etc. This is something you will feel in his du'as. Second thing you should try to feel, or what may happen naturally rather, is that when you read those du'as, you will feel that this is my state. This is my condition. I am as lost and astray. I am that sinner who should be calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with such words and such feelings. So the Prophet's du'as will guide us to the type of feelings we should feel and the wordings we should use to express those feelings. Third thing that can happen is when you see that du'a, you may actually say, that I don't have that feeling. But now you will realize what type of feeling you should be having. You will say, right now I can't say that from my heart because those feelings aren't there yet. Then that means you have to make an effort. There's something wrong with your heart. Or there's some improvement that needs to be done in your heart. There's some conditioning that has to be done to your heart. So you feel the feelings that are mentioned in these words. Alright? So broadly speaking, these are three things that a person wants to look to in du'a. As an example, 
because you know sometimes we have shared with some of our friends that you know everybody you know Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed this ummah with so many ulama shuyukh yani mufassirin muhaddisin fuqaha shuyukh it's not possible for any one individual to read all the works of all the ulama and shuyukh in 1400 years it's not humanly possible. It's not possible in even Western learning. There's nobody in political science who can say they've read the work of every thinker. They've read every book in political philosophy. There's too many. So what happens is normally is the person either on their own starts reading or you can say Allah Ta'ala guides them or inspires them to certain things and sometimes it doesn't click and they move on and sometimes there's something that connects to their heart. So for me, the works on this particular topic but also even generally, that have made a great impact on me from the, the works of ulama, right? So number one is, Imam al-Ghazali, Rimalatala. So I brought this here to show you, it's even in English, Arabic to Urdu, Aise, right? Imam al-Ghazali, Rimalatala, had this work called, Ihya'ul-Muddin, famous work of his, right? Which was his greatest testament. And it was not even his very last work. Uh, it was actually one of the first works that he compiled when he came out of his 10-year seclusion, in which he worked upon himself to get feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the simple way to understand it. He was a great alim of deen, he was a mufassir, muhaddis, faqih, he was the most famous professor at the Nizamiya College in Baghdad, and then he went away for two years, and then he went back to his home in Iran, and just kept doing ibadat and zikr for eight more years, and during those eight years he started to write this book, and then he came out and he gave the book to people, and he started teaching again. But now when he was teaching again, he wasn't trying to teach formal learning, he was trying to teach these type of things. So the Ihya Ulumuddin, Ihya Ulumuddin is divided into 40 books. So the ninth book of that, book number 9 is this, Kitab Al-Athkar Wa-Da'wat. the book of different ways and formulas and means and feelings to do dhikr, to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the different ways to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Different ways to make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, obviously, because you can see how thick the book is, we're not going to be covering the whole book today, but the point number one was to show you that ulama have put great effort into understanding this bab or this whole concept and area of making du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here, in this, like I told you, there's dhikr and du'a, uh, and in dhikr he talks about tahleel, tasbih, tahmeed, majalis of dhikr, etc., but then we are only going to be looking at certain portions pertaining to du'a. Then another work, uh, well, several works that then took place in the medieval period where different ulama compiled collections of du'a, again from the Quran and Sunnah and few of the early Muslims to be read on a daily basis. So one very famous such compilation is Hisn al-Haseen, another is known as al-Hizb al-A'zam. Then, so what I, I, I will show you, and I showed you this last time I was here, this is called Mukhtasar Al-Hizb Al-Azam. You can see it's very Mukhtasar. <laughs> right? And because we live in an age of Ikhtisar and Tasheel. <laughs> we live in an age where people went short course and easy course. <laughs> so somebody took these things and made it short and easy for the people today. This is also available in Arabic, English, and Urdu. Alright? And then because this is the modern temperament, so obviously there are all these references on the bottom. So, Hisn al-Hasin and al-Hizb al-Azm. 
So for me, I, this is I keep this in my pocketbook. I showed it to you last time at the Fox Air. This time I actually brought it to show you, right? Then Sheikh uh, Ashraf Ali Tanvi, he took that back. Sheikh Ashraf Ali Tanvi, had a work called Munajati Makbul. Munajati Makbul. That is obviously the du'as are in Arabic. His original translation, he translated those du'as into Urdu. And then people have now published, in fact, out of California, uh, there's a Pakistani origin, maybe no, he's Indian origin actually. I can't remember anymore now. But it's Desi Khalid Beg in California, and he has done a very good English translation of that. Alright? And so that uh, we will show you a little bit later on. So these are all examples of works for you to consult, to continue the dis- your learning after this workshop. What I want to make clear to you, what I'm not doing today, I'm not doing the du'as for particular occasions. I'm not going to be doing the du'a for entering masjid, leaving masjid, entering bathroom, leaving bathroom, wearing clothes, removing clothes, entering home, leaving home. That's a separate type of du'a. And many ulama have collected those separately in other booklets. And those are so many, I don't have to actually specifically give you any names for those. Alright? Uh, but I, but the same method that I'm going to try to use today, it will inshallah be sufficient for you to use that method on those, uh, du'as. Alright. So Bismillah al I'm gonna go using this, uh, they can't see fully. Let's keep focusing. What is that? Wow, do you know? Let me sing. It's quite small for that. I'll be lying in the shaitan and redeem me. Bismillah. I made this a surah to the Baqarah, surah number two, verse 186. Wa idha sa'alaka ibadi anni fa inni kareeb. So Allah Ta'ala telling Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but in Quran, this is another nukta. Because many times this type of communication took place outside Quran. Sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would share that, that would be called hadith. And there are many things Allah Ta'ala would tell the Prophet ﷺ directly to him about guiding him, telling him how to train the ummah. Not all of that even the Prophet would necessarily say. So, but this is part of Quranic wahi. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ إِبَادِي أَنِّيفَ إِنِّي قَرِيبٌ That if and whenever if and when and whensoever at every single time, my ibad ask you, do ye be ishara, they're mine. Tika, I've made you their nabi. I've made them your ummati, but aslan, isalatan, they're mine. So when my slaves and creatures ask you, anni concerning me, simply declare to them one thing, fa inni kareeb. It's deep. یعنی اللہ سبحانہ وتعالی اپنا بنیادی تعارف کروا رہے ہیں بس ان کو ایک ہی چیز میرے بارے میں بنا بتانا ہے اپ نے کہ میں ان کے قریب ہوں اللہ اکبر کبیرا ویری سٹرینج ورنہ وی کڈ ہیو فلڈ ان دا سینٹنس ان مینی ویز رائٹ ان اور اون اوکے ٹیل دیم ائی ایم ون نو فا انی واحد ٹیل دیم ائی ایم دس ٹیل دیم ائی ایم دیٹ اللہ تعالی ٹیچنگ پاس وسلم ان قران اینڈ شیئرنگ دیٹ فیکٹ وتھ آل اف اس دیٹ دس از ہاؤ ہی ہیز ٹاٹ دی پروفیٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ان قران that if they want to know one thing about me, tell them one thing, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Allah Akbar Kabeera. Then, أُجِيبُ الدَّعْوَةَ الدَّعِي إِذَا دَعَانِي That I respond and answer and grant the prayer, the supplication of the one making dua, إِذَا 
every time, whenever, whensoever the ani, they call upon me. So Allah explain what does qareeb mean. Allahu Akbar. So the different type of qurb. For example, why do Imam Muzayyim join dhikr and du'an at work? Because when you do dhikrullah, you feel the qurb of Allah Ta'ala. That's one maqsad of dhikrullah. That we make dhikr of Allah to feel, to understand this first part. To get the heartfelt feeling of fa'inni qareeb, you do dhikr. When you get that feeling, next what you do, you do du'a. Hence Imam Ghazayrum Ta'ala joined these two in book number 9 of Ihya Ulumuddin. These people had marafat, they understood Qur'an, even their titles and the way they organized their works, it's all based on Qur'an, but you're not always going to find a footnote. Nobody's going to put a footnote on the cover of this title, that oh, this is coming from Surah Bakr, verse 186. Hmm? But the people in the tradition, they understand these things. Alright? Haji? فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ <laughs> لِي I don't know if you have all of that. Well, yu'minu, uh, well, yu'minu bi la'allahum yarshudun. So now that Allah Ta'ala says that they should also listen to me. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. I'm creep to them. I will listen to their dua. They should listen to me and they should have iman in me so that they will indeed be on rushd. They will be rightly guided. Hmm? It's like Allah Ta'ala is making a deal. I am Kareeb and I will listen to you. So therefore, you should also listen to me and you should have Iman in me. And then when all these things happen, لَأَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So that they may be on rushd, they may be rightly guided. Hmm? So where does it begin? And that's why many Mashaik used to begin the training with dhikr. Because it begins by understanding this فَإِنِّي Kareeb. Hmm? The person who doesn't think Allah Ta'ala is Kareeb, then they get lost. The person who doesn't remember Allah's grief when they're in difficulty, they start questioning and having doubts. Why is Allah doing this to me? That last part, the iman part starts getting weak. Hmm? But the person who feels Allah Ta'ala's grief, and the person who's trained to make du'as that we're trying to do today, gets this training about making du'as from the Qur'an and Sunnah, oh, they will answer every command of Allah Ta'ala. They will become obedient. Itaat. They will hearken to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala's command and they will get a level of yaqeen in their iman. So don't think that zikr and dua is just some nafli ibadat, nafli amal. I do it, I do it, I don't do it, I don't do it. Okay, I'll do it when I'm in tough times. It's part of your deed. It's part of the talimat of Quran al-Kareem. It's a way of life. It's a way of connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The jurists label these things as nafil only as a contrast to the fard ibadat, you need the five times salah. But it doesn't mean by them calling it nafil that you don't do it. Or that you think it's completely optional. It's part of deen. This is something I've explained to you people many times in Bayan, that don't have a farth only concept of deen. Alright? So this ayah, uh, and by the way I, I share with you, that I this PowerPoint is based on Imam Zayat's book. When he explains dua, he used these ayahs in this sequence. So actually right now I'm teaching you Imam Ghazai's Ayya'ulumuddin, Kitab al-Azkar with Da'wat. So he begins first with this ayah of Quran al-Karim. To make us understand the importance of dhikr and dua. The next ayah that Imam al uses to explain. <laughs> that you should make dua to your Rabb. 
Tadarru means longingly, penitently, with awe, with reverence, with humility. You would say in Urdu, Girgirai ke saath, Ikhlas ke saath, Inkisari ke saath, Chahat ke saath, Talab ke saath. There's no one word that can capture this. Alright? Khufya can mean secretly, can mean silently, can also be simply referring that also from your batin, heartfelt way, from the innermost depths of your heart. In other words, that's secret, that's unknown to everybody else. So make du'a to Allah Ta'ala in humility, awe, reverence, love, yearning, longing, and from the secret innermost depths of your heart. Okay? It's not necessarily, although some ulama have taken this, it's not necessarily means that you must be alone in seclusion. You might be sitting in the masjid in front of people, but you're doing it from the depth of your heart. It doesn't mean that you don't use your tongue. Uh, it, it, you can also do, it's not negating lisani dua. Then, إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ It means that a person who doesn't do this amal, that person who does not make dua to their Rabb with humility and from the secret innermost depths of their heart, they're being referred to as mu'tadeen. Alright? You could translate that as aggressors or maybe better would be sort of transgressors. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love those, you can say, I mean, who are so high and mighty and so bold and aggressive and forthright that they don't feel the need to do this anymore. The why Imam Ghazayim brought it here was to show that if a person doesn't do dua or does dua but without humility, without longing, without from the heart, then that's not just okay. That's actually there have some arrogant or aggressive or overly confident personality. And that's wrong. And that's not the way a believer should be with their rub. And a believer always needs their rub. And a believer always turns to the rub. And a believer always makes dua to the rub. The third ayat that Imam al brings in his Ihya. And وَقَالَ رَبَّكُمْ أُنِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ And your rub said, what? Uduni make dua to me, astajib lukum, and I will grant you. Yeah, I don't know where, uh, this is the problem. Our foreign fellow, he took this tarjima from the internet. But, uh, maybe, Allah Allah, if you took it from the book. Uh, make dua to me, and Allah Ta'ala says, I will answer, uh, your du'as. Here actually it means du'a doesn't strictly speaking mean believe in my tawheed. There are some people who uh, no doubt tawheed is the most important belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that doesn't mean you read tawheed into every single thing. Right? So tawheed is the fundamental part of iman. And obviously you must have tawheed in du'a such that you don't make du'a to any ghairullah. But right now the verb being used by Allah ta'ala is du'a make du'a to me. You cannot say that dua means may have iman in, to, in my tawheed. Dua means make dua to me, uh, supplicate me and invoke me, and Allah Ta'ala will grant your duas. Alright. Inna ladina yastakbiruna in ibadati, sayyadhuluna jahannama dakhirin. And those who hold themselves to be too proudful and arrogant and haughty and high and mighty to do the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala says, surely in the future, they will enter into the fire and blazes of Jahannam, abased and disgraced. Alright? So again, on the one hand, and that's probably likely why the person added that bracket, 
is that those who don't accept this call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's of Iman and Tawheed, then they will enter into Jahannam. Alright. But Khair Imam Ghazali is bringing this ayah right now for the first part to show that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does listen to and grant people's du'as. The fourth ayah that Imam Ghazali brings. قُلْ عِدُ اللَّهَ عَوِدُ that proclaim to them Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that they should call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, call upon Allah ta'ala by the name Ar-Rahman. After the ismizat, ismul mufrad, ism azam, ism jalala, Allah, the most repeated name is Ar-Rahman. And in fact, some ulama of tafsir even said uh, that even earlier communities knew this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ar-Rahman. Alright? the all-merciful, the being of infinite mercy, the epitome of endless and limitless mercy. <laughs> that from any whatsoever name you call upon him, to him, yani to Allah SWT, belong the Asma'ul Husna, the infinitely beautiful names. So this is another workshop for another time, inshallah, and Imam Ghazali has an entire other book on the Asmal Husna. And this is also something that sometimes a person should try to make dua with Asmal Husna. I have another booklet this size with Asmal Husna, but one of my very dear friends was going for Hajj, and he mentioned this to me, so I took it out of my pocket and I gave it to him. So I don't have it to show you. Uh, and in that what happened is one alim, uh, he took the 99 names of Allah Ta'ala mentions one hadith of Imam Tirmidhi that he has collected uh, and he made he searched through the whole Quran and Sunnah for any dua that has that name and then sometimes he would find many and he selected from his own mizaj tabiat one one dua for each name then there were a few names that actually you cannot find that the Prophet at least that we have transmitted because obviously there will be many munajat of his that we don't know Things that he said that nobody even heard and nobody could narrate, right? So this is a perfect example because we know the Prophet did amal on the whole Quran. And when Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, لِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَالِ husna فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا That to Allah Ta'ala belong the infinite beautiful names, make dua to Allah Ta'ala using them. The Prophet ﷺ would have used all the names he was taught. But we don't have all those duas. So then what this person did is on their own Arabic, they tried to make some dua as close as possible to the existing du'as using one of those other names, right? And so sometimes if a person wants to make this niyat, I want to make du'a to Allah Ta'ala using all the 99 names, this is an interesting booklet. So the fox, I was sitting with that person, and he started asking me about the names of Allah, and he was going on a hud, so I said, here, you take this, Allahu Akbar. And I told him he has to make du'a for my name as well. Yeah, let's see what happens. Huh? <laughs> but it shows you this is a passion that people have for du'a. Ye deen ka shawk jazbayna. کہ آپ جائیں انٹرنیٹ پر قرآنک ڈیٹا بیس کو کھولیں سرچ کریں اللہ کے نام نکالیں پھر دعائیں تلاش کریں ہر نام کے ایک دعا کم از کم سیکھیں اور وقتاً فقتاً دعا کو مانگیں اس کو دین کہتے ہیں پیپل ڈونٹ ڈو دیٹ اینی مور پیپل کین ایون تھنک لائک دیٹ اینی مور سو دس از اے گڈ ایگزامپل آف وٹ وی آفن ٹیل آل آف یو دیٹ یو ہیو ٹو ہیو اے پیشن ان یور دین یو ہیو ٹو ہیو اے جذبہ شوق ذوق ایموشن فیلنگ ڈیزائر تو خیر uh take it that's enough i mean that part of the ayah is what's relevant to uh this concept of dua 
Then Imam Muzari Muhammad brings some ahadith of Nabi Akareem sallallahu which talk about the importance of dua. First hadith called Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ad-du'a'u mukhul ibadah. The dua is the marrow, the essence, the core, the maghaz of ibadah of worship. So what does this hadith mean? That all formal ibadah, yani fard salah, fard salah, tawaf, hmm? sa'i, all formal ibadat are also at their core, at their essence, is salatan, aslan, dua. It's all pukar. It's all sada. It's all yearning, supplicating, turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All ibadah boils down to this. Now this is another beautiful thing because you can't do ibadah all the time. But your heart could actually be in a state of dua all the time. The more you make dua, and then you get a mizaz, temperament, personality of dua, your heart could actually always be making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's possible. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And then that person's an abd. They're always calling upon their Rabb. Because they're always, that is the way they will also feel Allah Ta'ala being kareeb. Another way you can under, I can explain this to you, or you can understand this, is ad-du'a'u mukhul ibadah, those heartfelt feeling of supplication and yearning and longing for Allah Ta'ala, those feelings are what is basically the essence of all ibadah. All ibadat, all acts of worship are to be done from that feeling and to create and increase that feeling in a person's heart, which feeling? The feelings of dua. The feelings of longing, yearning, begging and supplicating. Okay. Then Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, this is the second hadith, لَيْسَ شَيْءٌ أَكْرَمُ عَلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى مِنَ dua. There is nothing more akram Nothing more honorable, beloved, nothing more special to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala minad dua than making dua. Now you know in Quran al-Kareem, inna akramakum indillahi atkakum. That those of you are the most honored akram in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's regard are the ones who have the most taqwa. And what's the most akram, noble, beloved act or turning to Allah you can do, that is dua. I will even pause right now. So we did, uh, I think, if I'm correct, five ayat from Quran and two hadith, right? How long did it take? Maybe 15 minutes. The vast majority of Muslims don't even know these seven things. There are people listening right now in front of me or upstairs in the women or online who already have learned something new. So this shows us the level of our Islamic illiteracy. How illiterate and uneducated are we in our deen that we don't even know few ayat and two hadith about dua. Let's just take this one, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but one should wonder how many of us are learning this siddhi for the very first time in our life. لَيْسَ شَيْءٌ أَكْرَمَ عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنَ الدُّعَى That there is nothing more akram, more beloved and honorable to Allah Ta'ala than dua. And then we should be crying, how did I live my whole life without this guidance? <laughs> that my Prophet ﷺ told me, he told me, he was talking to the Sahaba, but when he talked, he was talking to the whole Ummah. He told me 1400 years ago this. <laughs> and me, I'm 50 years old, I'm learning it today. Hmm? You know, in the world, people get so excited, they come home, oh, you know, like a student, 
So they come, oh, I learned something new today. They tell their parents, right? Hmm? And they're so excited about it, and they can't wait to make use of that new knowledge. So infinitely more person should be like that when it comes to their deen. Alright? Here, third, next to the third hadith, that Imam al-Ghazali, all in the order in which he brought it in his work. Okay. Okay, maybe we don't have the Arabic of this one. To Khair, now I will just trust this translation. One of three things never fails to come to a man, person from Dua. Number one, either a sin of theirs is forgiven. Number two, they get some Khair, some, and Allah Ta'ala quickly sends some Khair upon them. Or number three, Allah Ta'ala saves some Khair for them. Now that khair that is saved for them for later, that might be given to them later in this world, dunya, or might be given to them on Yom al on the Day of Judgment. So one of three things will always happen when you make du'a. Now this is a very important teaching, because many times when we make du'a, although the du'a is going to be teaching you are different. I tell also sure that today all the du'as are about akhirat and deen. Pretty much. It's not really going to be about something in dunya. There's also another very important lesson to this workshop. I'm telling you upfront what the lessons are, rather than trust upon you to learn those lessons, arrive at those conclusions on your own. Okay? Is when you see the way... For us, what does dua mean? We make dua for job, for interview, for health. We make... It's all jais and Allah wants you to do that. But because we have only make duas for those things... We make du'as only for those things. For us, du'as basically just to think about the dunya, right? For our hajat, dunyavi. 100% until Allah wants you to make du'a for that. But this whole other world of du'a, sin being forgiven, getting some khair from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or getting some thawab, ajr on the day of judgment. And then the things you see when we go, inshallah, when we start, that's in the second half, but we actually start looking at these du'as, there's, there's a whole other type of du'a. And it's very important that while making du'as for our dunya, Rabbana atana fi dunya hasana, we should also make du'a wa fil akhirati hasana for the hasanat of akhirah. And that's deen. That's the life of deen that can get you the hasanat of akhirah. Alright? So, the Rabb, why did I bring that up in this hadith? That even if you make du'a for job interview tomorrow, one of these three things will happen. Even when you make the du'as for dunya, dunya bi hajab, one of these three things will still happen. You may or may not get the job, but one of these three things will definitely happen. Even if you get the job, one of these three things will happen. Alright? Now why is that important? Just watch this very carefully. Right? Number one, if you don't get the job, okay, but a sin of yours is forgiven, maybe you value the job too much and you don't understand how much you need forgiveness. <laughs> if you knew that, you should say, that Allah Ta'ala, I'm so ha- I'd rather take the forgiveness of sin over any job. <laughs> Take it. Check. Number two, if you get the job after you made dua, then you can think that this job is number two, that khair that Allah Ta'ala sent you immediately. Then you can have confidence that this job is khair for me. And if you walk an interview without making dua, and you ace it and you get the job, you have no way of knowing that this job is khair for me. Do you understand? And number three, let's say you, whether you get the job or you don't get the job, there could be two possibilities, right? If you get the job and later on some problem happens in the job and you think, I understand, I made dua before I went and I did one three, I got the job, you will still be happy and think, okay, 
maybe, okay, I initially thought this job itself was the khair that Allah Ta'ala had given me in response from my dua. It turns out, no, I have a nightmare boss, right? So no, this is not that khair. So no problem. There's some other khair Allah Ta'ala given give me later due to that the dua I made for that interview. Allahu Akbar. That's a beautiful way of life. <laughs> if you understand this one hadith, you can give away all the hundred books of positive thinking that you have in yourself. <laughs> this one hadith, uradata, all of that. All self-help, positive thinking books are rendered useless when you understand this hadith and you follow a life of iman, dhikr and dua. But yes, if you don't follow iman, dhikr and dua and you're a nice person and you're feeling feelings of sadness, you need that whole library of self-help books. Your choice, what you want to get your hidayat and rest from. Hmm? Deen, deen, deen. Deen is everything you need, everything, and it's all the self-help, motivation, positive thinking, dynamism, hard work, disciplines, all there indeed. The entire section, because in America, like if you walk in, there's like these famous bookstores like Barnes and Noble, you walk in the whole section, it's called self-help, <laughs> it's the walls of books. <laughs> I'll take ten hadith of the Prophet some over those walls of books any day, <laughs> any day. But yes, the person who doesn't know those hadith, he's got to go browsing in those stores. Allahu Akbar Kabira. I think maybe if I, if I say, Kamal Dinam in New York City, self-help workshop, I'll get a thousand people in Karachi. Allahu Akbar. Maybe I should try that once and just show them this. Allahu Akbar. Next hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Here uh, I will also show you another, at the very end I will show you one interesting thing about why you should take hadith from muhaddithin. <clears throat> Alright. Qala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu infinite blessings and abundant salutations be upon him for all eternity. Yaqulullahu ta'ala. So this is known as the hadith qudsi that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, that Allah ta'ala says, alright? What? Ana in the dhan abdi bi, that I will be with my, uh, ana in the dhan abdi bi, I will be with my servant, slave, creature, according to the way they estimate me to be. According to their dhan, their guman. Alright? Number one. Number two. وَأَنَا مَعَهُ إِذَا ذَكَرَنِي And I will be with him if and when and every time and the very second and moment that he remembers me. He or she remembers me. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Ajeeb. So some people say, now what do I have to do to get Allah's mercy? Wow, do I get the qurb of Allah? Oh, that's it. You just have to make dhikr. That's it. It's done. Instantly. How long will it take after I begin the path of dhikr to get the closeness to Allah subhanahu It will happen instantly. Allah Akbar. It will happen instantly. When will I get istiqamat and always feel closeness to Allah Ta'ala? When you have istiqamat on your dhikr. As soon as you remember, you will get might and kurb. 
As long as you remember, you will keep having mayat and qurb. As soon as you stop remembering, you will start losing that mayat and qurb. That's it. Then the second thing, Allah Ta'ala does some tafsil. Allah Ta'ala opens it up and elaborates more. فَإِن ذَكَرَنِي فِي نَفْسِهِ ذَكَرْتُهُ فِي نَفْسِهِ That if my abd, my slave and serve creature, my slave and servant and creature, does dhikr of me, and Allah is saying that he remembers me in, inside himself, that Allah Ta'ala is saying, I, Allah, will remember him inside myself. What does it mean, inside Allah Ta'ala's self? So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has a that, his own essential being. This is slightly, it's a theological concept. And Allah Ta'ala has his sifat. And then there's the mazhar, is heart of those sifat. So for example, I'll give you a simple example. One is Allah Ta'ala's attribute of hidayah, represented as his name, Al-Hadi, right? Then there can be acts of guidance. So Allah Ta'ala guides you, that was a manifestation of his hidayah. That was an act of hidayah, alright? So there's an act of hidayah, there's Allah Ta'ala's attribute of hidayah, and if you will, so to speak in English, there's Allah Ta'ala Himself, right? Which is more than just being Al-Hadi, right? To his zat encompasses all of his sifat. So Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is saying here, in the hadith I could see, that when that servant remembers me in himself, Allah will remember him in his zat. This is the hadith used by ulama muhaddisin shayuk to understand the importance of zikr al-kalbi. That you do zikr of Allah Ta'ala in your batin, in yourself, your internal zikr. Second, وَإِن ذَكَرَنِي فِي مَلَعٍ ذَكَرْتُوا فِي مَلَعٍ خَيْرٍ مِّنْهُمْ That if he remembers me in a gathering, then Allah says, I, Allah, will remember him in a better gathering. So gathering means what? Majlis of zikr. They make dua to Allah Ta'ala all together. They're making zikr of Allah Ta'ala all together. So Allah Ta'ala will remember him where? So one meaning of the better gathering is the gathering of angels. Because the angels are always gathered around Allah Ta'ala making tawaf of his arsh. Alright? So Allah Ta'ala will remember that person in a better gathering. Okay. But that was all the tafsir of the second thing. So the first was, Ana inda zanni abdibi. Second, wa ana ma'u idha zakarani. Third, wa in takarraba ilayya bishibrin takarrabtu ilayhi zira'a. If that person, slave, creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, comes to him a shibr. Shibr means, you can say one, some people call this length, like I'm showing you here. So you can call it one extended thumb to pinky span. Some may call it one hand span. To one dira'a, one dira'a is the wingspan of a human being. From this tip of finger to this tip. That's one way this has been explained. These are sort of terms of measurement you can say. Okay? So one hand span to one double arm span. Means what Allah Ta'ala is just speaking to the Arabs in language they understand. Means that if he comes to me a little bit, this hadith to narrate this hadith in his compilation. So Imam Bukhari, another Muhammad is seen also, but I'm just going to show this to you in using Imam Bukhari. So one way we enjoy studying hadith from Muhaddithin is even the way they arrange the hadith. Like the reason, that's why I taught you. Because these du- if I do a Google search or Quran search, because I'm not a hafiz, of the word du'a, I come up with the same eyes that Imam Muhammad came up with. But I wanted to teach you in the order that he did. Hmm? 
There's another barakat on that. Imam Bukhari chose to order sequence place the hadith in which kitab? Not in the kitab of dua. Not in the chapter of dua of his work in kitab al-tawheed. <laughs> kitab al-tawheed. In the book pertaining to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because this hadith makes it clear. Not that Allah is one. Because there's no mention of the oneness of Allah ta'ala here. But that Allah is your one and only. <laughs> that Allah ta'ala is your only mahboob, maksood and He's your true lover. He's your one and only true lover and He's your one and only true beloved. So Imam Bukhari, he put this in Kitab al-Tawheed. Allah Akbar Kabira. So when you read hadith on your own, it's like drinking water from a styrofoam cup. <laughs> and when you take hadith from a hadithin, it's like drinking it from a pure crystal glass. <laughs> the difference in it, taste, in the water is the same. Hadith is hadith. <laughs> you tell me you like to drink water from styrofoam cup or you like drinking from pure crystal glass. There's hmm? a big difference. Big difference. Alright. Here, I'm <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Okay, let me explain the context of this hadith because we just took this part. So, this is a longer hadith uh, where Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentioned that there will be seven mm, categories of people, seven types of people who will get the shade of the arsh of Allah subhanahu on the Day of Judgment. They will be shaded by the shade of the arsh of Allah on the Day of Judgment. One of those seven people are وَرَجَلٌ ذَكَرَ اللَّهُ خَالِيًا فَقَادَتْ أَيْنَاهُ And that person who remembers Allah Ta'ala خَالِيًا It doesn't mean you're Urdu Khali. Khaliyan means in a state of Khalwa. Khaliyan is the ism file of Khalwa. That they're alone. When they're alone. In such a way فَقَادَتْ أَيْنَاهُ that their eyes flow with tears. That flows of tears emanate from their eyes. Their eyes are flooded with tears. And again, Imam's eyes linking because dua is dhikr. Mukhal ibadah. It's from the heart. So when the, when in this type of crying, the water is coming from the heart. Not scientifically. But the feelings. Even science even accepts that. Why does a person cry? In this reason. They know people cry. But something happens in the heart. They may say it's the mind that makes a person cry. Hmm? So that person who when they're alone and they remember Allah Ta'ala and cry, that person will be getting the shade of the arsh of Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Hmm? So obviously Imam Musa is giving an ishara here from that earlier hadith Qudsi as well that what, what did our Prophet teach us? That no doubt we make dua together after bayan. Fine, we make dua after the gathering. But what Every individual mu'min has their own Abd-Rabb relationship. They can't only do zikr and dua with shaykh or in bayan or madras. Actually the asal dua and zikr is when they're alone. They're with Allah one-on-one. It's between them and Allah. Yeh toh hum aapko dhaka start karte hain. Istimai dua, istimai zikr karwane se. 
असल अमल तो आपका इंफरादी अमल होता है बट प्रॉम इज पीपल डोंट डू दैट देर सम पीपल जब आप करवाते हैं मुझसे दुआ नहीं होती है बस इसलिए मैं आपके बयान में आता है कि बयान के बाद दुआ होती है साहब से क्यों नहीं होता पड़ेगा प्रोफेसर के लिए काम करने के लिए तैयार मैनेजर के लिए काम करने के तैयार जो आपका आलम शेख उस्ताद है उसके लिए कोई काम करने के लिए तैयार नहीं डिफिकल्ट टाइप ऑफ एजुकेशन टू इम्पार्ट समटाइम्स मदर्स पेरेंट्स माय सन स्टडी This is the this is this is all I'm giving you all the hadith that Imam Ghazali mentioned now in order. He mentioned those ayat in order, then these hadith in this order. So, कुछ फायदे न वाला मासे पढ़ने से अब आप Imam Ghazali से पढ़ें मुझसे नहीं पढ़ रहे. It's a difference, right? Or you want to go self study? Try self study. You won't even be able to get as far as I took you in one hour on your own. I'll give you ten hours. You wouldn't have been able to do it. These ulama, they understood Deen. and they dedicate their life to sharing and teaching them why is there hesitation from learning them khair hmm? now hadith from imam muslim wa taala because imam ghazali was always a person of itidal agar tanha zikr ke hadith laenge to istimai zikr ke bhi fawn baad laenge that a person should see سيدنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا يقعد قوم يذكرون الله عز وجل الا حقتهم الملائكه وغشيتهم الرحمه ونزلت عليهم السكينه وذكرهم الله في من عنده four things happen لا يقعد from قاعده from sitting never قوم قوم is a group Every single time a group sits in order to make the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala four things will necessarily happen four things will necessarily happen number 1 they will be enveloped and surrounded by angels hmm? guaranteed number 2 Allah taala's rahma will enshroud them his mercy will enshroud them Then Allah Taala will send a sakina, sukoon, tranquility, contentment, happiness, peace upon them, 
And then while Allah, then they keep doing zikr, then Allah Ta'ala will make zikr of them with those who are with him, yani those angels. And the reason why the translator translates near to him, some say that this, this Fiman in the who, so in the who, those are known as the, and from other texts, the Malaika Mukarrabun. The angels who are those, even from the angels there are different levels. From those angels that are the closest to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will make zikr of those mu'mineen in the assembly of those Mukarrab angels. The hadith is in Sahih. After this hadith, is it possible to say that? There may be some things that some people do in a gathering of zikr, or somebody's playing music, or somebody's got men and women singing together, there can be all types of wrong things that could be done, but if a person does it, not in that way, but according to the sharia, in search of the thing that is mentioned in this hadith, Second, I should tell you that this word here, Yadkurun Allah, is not khas, muqtas, it's not specific or exclusive or particular to any particular type of zikr. Even this right now is this majlis zikr. Anytime you gather in an assembly as a group to remember Allah in any way, can be darsi Quran, can be workshop, can be beyond, can be zikr, can be istimai zikr, any way that you gather together, these four things happen. So when you do zikr alone, and that makes you cry, that's the fazilat, the earlier hadith. And if you do zikr together with others in a qawm, then this is the fazilat. Hmm? So this is our deen. So what does it mean? You should be doing zikr alone, and you should also be going to gatherings of zikr. Alright? Okay. Now, then Imam Ghazali, Okay, I'll give you a... I'll pause here for just a couple of minutes. What happens now is that the second part will begin in which we will now begin looking at some of these du'as. Alright, so I'll just explain to you a bit and then we'll just pause a bit. The first is because like I told you, there's so many du'as. So we're just now going to do a selection of them. Even in these three books I mentioned to you, there, even there there's so many du'as. If that's also just a selection. Imam Zah has not collected all the du'as in his book, Right? So from that, again, I had to take yet again a smaller selection. And still then, most likely, we won't be able to finish them all today. Uh, but again, remember that the purpose of today's workshop is just to open up some of these du'as and train you, try to train me and you, inshallah, how to open them up and how to search for the meanings and feelings in the du'a. And if you can pick that up, then inshallah, these and the other books also, that you can get about the du'as and use that same method yourself. So I will give you just like a two, three minute sukoon break. <coughs> but for me, I would rather, you know, rather than me select, I chose to take the selections of Imam Ghazali Matala. And Sheikh Ashraf Ali, Tanviram And then like I told you, from that we had to abridge. So Imam Uzzai, the first dua from Quran that he brings, when he is now mentioning about different duas from Quran, is the following. Rabbana afrig alayna sabrun watawafana muslimin. This is a very interesting dua, right? Uh, the words of it. Because normally you would think that the words are, normally the words you feel, Allah tells us, shower me with your rahmah, shower me with your maghfara. 
This dua we're being taught that we should make dua, O Allah, pour upon us sabr. Endow us with sabr. Drench us in sabr. Drown us in sabr. And cause us to die and raise us up from this world. This is really what it means. It causes us to take us away from this world in such a state that we are in a state of absolute submission to you. And that's why I'm trying to, that's just Muslim, because when we say the word Muslim, we think that's just some identity. No, no. It means take us away in such a state that we are in absolute submission to you. Let my life end. Like It means the feeling, so me and you, because I'm, I'm not going to actually teach you the original, uh, I'm not going to do tafsir of these du'as. Right now, that I show you the passage before, the passage after, put it in the context, what's going on in the surah, because I'm not, I'm just teaching you the dua, alright? And that's an important thing, right? That sabr here doesn't mean patience. Sabr here is related to that part, what tawafana muslimin, sabr means endurance. Drenches in more himma, more endurance, more perseverance, more strength to do what? to do more submission to you. So that, by the time we die, we are in a state of absolute submission to you. So this is a very good dua to make. Now, feeling is a dua. So let's say any time a person says, oh, you know, I you know, I want to become stronger in deen, but I don't feel like I'm strong enough, I'm weak. So they come to me, Sheikh, can you give me any zikr? Allah Akbar. Hey, this dua. <laughs> Have you made this dua yet? 99% will say no. I say, you know this dua, Muslim, no? Right? It's there. 99% of the things are there for you. Hmm? To this dua, so you can make a note of it, Surah Al-Araf, verse 126. You may or may not memorize it. I also tried, by the way, in my section to start with some, but they are slightly longer ones, but I tried to do more shorter ones, uh, so that if people want to memorize them, right, and we will put this whole, we were thinking of printing it out for you, but then that's printed on big paper and, It'll take us some time to compile it like this. So for now, we're just going to put it on the website. And then you can download all this stuff and you can print it, read it, however you want. Uh, because it's Quran al-Kareem. But this is a dua to make. When you feel you are not strong enough to follow Allah Ta'ala's commandments. And this happens many times in life. That you learn something in Quran, you learn something in Hadith, you know it's true, you want to do it, but you're not strong enough to do it. You're too weak to do it. You're too scared to do it. You're too lazy to do it. You're hesitating to do it. This is a dua you should make. Allah Ta'ala, drown me, drench me, infuse me with so much strength and endurance and perseverance. Yani, to obey you entirely. And don't let death overcome me. Never take my life away. Except and until that I'm in a state of complete and absolute submission to you. But this one dua is enough to understand the entire feelings of deen. That's all of deen is there in this dua. This is what all of deen is. Your relationship with Allah Ta'ala. So remember I said you have to beg Allah Ta'ala for deen. This is what this dua is. This dua has nothing to do with dunyami hajat or bounties and blessings. Although I told you that's separate. I don't need to teach you that because we're all masters at that. Right? That is in deen. You're supposed to ask Allah Ta'ala dunya. I'll just tell you just to show you, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in hadith, he taught us that even if your shoelace breaks, you should turn to Allah Ta'ala. And the most minor things of dunya, that means the thing that you can even fix yourself in dunya. Even then turn to Allah Ta'ala. You have to do that. But you have to do this also. And you should do this more. And your heart should want this more. This Torah should be more, but much more longing. 
then the dua we make for any risk or any sehat or any worldly afiyah. Alright? So this is one dua. Next dua from Quran al-Kareem. Alright, this is obviously the dua of Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam. So, uh, this is a bit, how can I do this for you with it? So I'll read it, but obviously, um, you and me aren't going to, how can I explain? Sometimes when these du'as are taught, is that you can recite this du'a, but the first line of the du'a, you're just doing knuckle, it doesn't apply to you and me. Alright? This is actually the words of, and only Nabi Yusuf can say this uh, first part. Okay? Rabbi kad ataytani min al-mulki wa allamtani min ta'wil al-ahadith that Allah subhanahu you bestowed upon me min al-mulk from some element of sovereignty, dominion, rule in this world, from your own infinite sovereignty and dominion, and you have taught me the interpretation of events that are narrated and seen to people in dreams. Alright? So this, this part doesn't apply to us, obviously. Okay? But the reason why Imam Ghazali included this du'a from Quran, number one, he wanted to show the beauty of the way that the Anbiya used to make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how much Allah ta'ala loved the du'a of even, you mean, before Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah ta'ala loved their du'a so much that He made them part of Qur'an Akareem. One reason Allah ta'ala did that, by the way, was Allah ta'ala was sending wahi to Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and showing him that this is how the past Anbiya used to call upon me. Hmm? And then also, it is obviously as hidayat for all of Nas and all of Insan and for all of us. Alright? Others say that you could drop that and you would just say, Rabbi, Fatir Samawati will Arta, you would start over there. Okay? So then, if you want to make this dua, you could start like that. Rabbi, Fatir Samawati will Ard. Now, Fatir, if you remember, Iftar, Fatur, right? So this is the original creation, the unveiling. Like there's this notion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unrolled His creation. I gave you this example before of Tan. And you go in and they unroll the kapra in front of you. So Allah Ta'ala unrolled His uh, creation of the heavens and firmaments of the earth. Anta dunya wal That you are my wali Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are my wali, my benefactor, my friend, my guardian, my lover. Fid dunya in this world wal akhirah and in the hereafter. Tawaffani muslima. Only take my soul in a state that I'm in absolute submission to you. Wa'alhikni bisaliheen. And then after taking my soul, join me, ilhaq. Join me. Connect me. Attach me with the saliheen. With those who are virtuous and pious and upright. So this is the dua to make. Rabbi Fatir samawati wal ard. Anta waliyi fid dunya wal akhirah. تَوَفَّنِي مُسْلِمًا وَأَلْحِقْنِي بِالصَّالِهِينَ Now, he's a Nabi, Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam. He's from Nabin, But he wants to be with Salihin. Now this has two meanings. One meaning is, even the Anbiya knew that even more important than their own Nabuat is Taqwa. The Asal cheese is Taqwa being Muttaqeen Salih, even for the Anbiya. 
even from there, the greatest thing is taqwa. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Now obviously, the taqwa of the anbiya is greater than anybody else's taqwa. So obviously that's why they're the greatest of humanity. Right? But they viewed, they were, they had fikr. They also, see many people, not many people, few weird English educated philosophical people. <laughs> Sometimes I ask this question, because I had this question from some kids, right? That well, and literally, somebody asked me this question about, well, for the prophets it's not fair, I mean they got bahis, so of course they were good people. Allah, <laughs> Akbar. Huh? So this hadith, this ayah in Quran, the dua of Nabi Yusuf was a good way to show that look, they had the same fikr. What we're trying to tell people that you should try to be saleh, naik, muttaki, anabiyah had the same concern. They didn't take this thing for granted. Even though, so that's I mean, despite their nubuat and receiving wahi, they had deep concern for dying as a Muslim and being from the salihin. So then me and you have no nubuat, no wahi whatsoever and that will never ever happen again. Imagine how much concern we should have for dying as a Muslim and being from the Salihin. So we can make this dua for that. And then the way that Nabi Yusuf made dua, that what does it mean? So Allah told you my wali in dunya. So for that, like it's almost like Nabi Yusuf Allah told you my wali in dunya. So Ustasiyat to ask you one thing. In this world take my life, that's what I'm submitting to you. You're my wali in akhirah. There I ask you one thing in akhirah, join me with salihin. I make one one dua in nisbat of each things. This is also a way of dua. That you call upon Allah Ta'ala or you invoke one attribute or aspect of Him and then you make one dua according to the attribute or aspect. So you're seeing this kind of dua over here. You can do this in English and Urdu later if you want. You could just say in Urdu, Allah Ta'ala, maaf karna wale, mere gunaku maaf karna. You invoke or mention an aspect, sifat, attribute of Allah Ta'ala, and then you make dua in munasbat, nisbat, to that attribute and sifat. So you see that here again? What did Allah Subhanahu what did Nabi Yusuf say? Actually also the first thing. The first thing was what Fatir al-Samawati wal-Ard. This is a type of tasbih and hamd. First you proclaim Allah Ta'ala's glorious nature. There are many ways to do that. This is one way. And that's just, you're, you're praising Allah. You're not asking Allah anything from that, right? You're praising Allah Ta'ala for who He is, then you're mentioning about Allah Ta'ala who He is with you, and then you're asking dua to Him based on who He is with you. These are all adab of dua. So that's why when you make dua, now to give you more practical, you should first, even one line, you should say some type of tasbih. Subhanallah wa bin First praise Allah Ta'ala. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Anything you know. Any tasbih, any hamd. Then, I'll just tell you because that's not in this verse, but, and then the adab that we have been taught in this ummah, obviously, is then the second thing you send salawat to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So you begin your dua by some type of tasbih and hamd. The next sentence should be some type of salawat. Taken, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. And then you make dua, or then you invoke Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will find this theme in a lot of the du'as that there's some mention or invoking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then asking upon Allah ta'ala in nisbat to that attribute that you mentioned. Next du'a that Imam Ghazali brings from his selection of du'as from Quran. Alright. So Yusuf salam now, uh, Musa salam. So if you, again I'm going to, because I'm not right now teaching you the tafsir of this, so just go uh 
further ahead in the verse. Okay. Rabbi lau shita ahlaktahu min qablu wa iyaya. That Allah Taala, if you had wanted, you could have destroyed them. Min couple from before, wa and even me. The Imam Zali brought this out again to show that the Anbiya, the Anbiya themselves had so much fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi Musa alayhi though he was obviously innocent of all the wrong things that the Jews were doing, like you can read about that in Surah Baqarah, right? But, the way he made dua to Allah ta'ala was, Allah ta'ala, if you had wanted, you could have destroyed them and me. <laughs> But iyaya, iya, and even me. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So, if we were to make uh, a dua like this, you could even say that Allah Ta'ala, look, uh, you could have punished me for my sins. You could have destroyed me on earth because of my sin. The very first time I sinned with my eyes, you could have made me blind. The very first time I said a lie, you could have made me mute. The very first time I listened to something sinful, you could have made me deaf. The very first time I had a sinful thought, you could have made me mentally handicapped. Hmm? The very first time I walked towards sin, you should have, you could have, not should have, you could have inflicted me with a stroke and paralyzed me. And then you understand when you say these things, then that will bring you in a state of fear. So that's why sometimes in the beginning something is said to create this state in us. So it might be that right now we're not so terrified of Allah Ta'ala even though we sinned. But when you start talking like that, then you start getting scared. So you're building up the feelings in your heart to make heartfelt dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Because that's, everything I just said is true. It would have been absolutely in Allah Ta'ala's adl. He would have been perfectly just to do that. One strike you're out policy would have been in his adl because he's such an incredibly powerful malik. Hmm? The absolute master, sovereign, and king in every sense, all kickship and mastery and dominion and sovereignty lies to him alone. So a being like that, it should be one strike you're out. That's what it should have been. Hmm? But you didn't do that. Hmm? Then the second thing, uh, and you know, like some of our alhamdulillah, ulama, mufakkireen, This announcement you make. Assalamu alaikum. There is a card that is parked incorrectly. The number is ARZ043. It needs to be moved. Jazakallah. Amara kuch santi var mulk me sun rahe hain. Unko sabko pata chal gaya. Ke Pakistan me log ghalat gaadi park karte hain. Kya kar sakta hu? Koi nahi. Me aapko batata hai. Ye alanat vaha bhi hote hain. This is a universal thing. Hi, hey, UK may be, US may be hota hai. UK may be hota hai. Huh? Allah Akbar. Khair. Uh, I was about to say something very important. Yes, I was telling you, some of our ulama, Ajeeb, and especially some of the real mufakir razat and jamaat al-tabliq, the second part of dua, which is what? That they're actually concerned that because there are some people in the Ummah of Mustafa who are sinning, who are leaving Allah Ta'ala, who are leaving Allah Ta'ala, it should not be the case that Allah Subhanahu Wa destroys the whole Ummah. Now we know 
obviously we always focus more, and that is true, on Allah Ta'ala's mercy and His love, that He wouldn't do such a thing. But when you think about Allah Ta'ala's mastery and His might and power, He could do such a thing. And it wouldn't be just for Him to do that, right? Hmm? Don't you have some... Sometimes sometimes it happens in offices that the guy comes in and says, forget, I just fired the whole team. That's what he says, right? I mean, he's not going to look that, okay, within the team, there were three who were okay and seven who messed it up. He says, I want a whole new team tomorrow. Some CEOs talk like that, right? And if he is the CEO, if he has that absolute authority, he can do that. And he's completely in his right to do that. He can say, bring me a new team tomorrow. So who has more might and authority? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a CEO? So, and the Anbiya also knew this because this has happened in the past. Entire nations, communities have been wiped out. Now, just to show you, there is a hadith, Allahu Akbar, which Nabiya Kareem sallallahu taught us. In fact, it's also mentioned in a slightly different way in Quran. That Allah Ta'ala will never send an adab on this whole ummah. Due to part of the ummah. Alright, this is one special favor Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon Ummah Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But still, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, this dua is made still with that feeling because even if Allah ta'ala has told us that He won't, still we should have so much fear of Him that perhaps He could. Alright? So what was the dua? And it also shows you, just from a very, you know, emotional sense, how how much fikr Nabi Musa salam had. So then the dua continues, Atuhlikuna bima fa'ala sufaha'u minna That Allah Ta'ala, would you ever make us halak? Would you ever destroy us due to the actions of some foolish amongst us? In hiya illa fitnatuka That Allah Ta'ala, this is just your trial and test upon us. That you, yes, you will lead some people astray by means of this fitna, whomso you wish, and you will end up guiding some people by means of this fitna, whomso you wish. That Allah SWT, you are our wali, send your maghfar on us, send your rahma on us, Send your forgiveness on us, send your mercy on us. Allah Ta'ala, indeed, you are the best of those who forgive. Alright? So what does it mean? So this is a dua that sometimes, so Imam Zai is starting with some very, very big duas. Alright? So most of us individuals, we don't, because you know, he was, you have to say Imam Zai was also a person who was Mufakir Islam, who had great concern for the Ummah. So for him, these duas were touching his heart more. Right? Maybe for us, we couldn't actually begin with this type of dua. But that shows you what type of person he was. Harimullahu Ta'ala. The type of... Uh, the type of concern he had for the Ummah. Hmm? And he thought in his time he was living in an age because he was seeing the fitna of Ibn Sina's falsafa. He was seeing the fitna of dunya, that ulama were getting too rich. He saw so much, the fitna of the corruption of the rulers at this time. And he was scared. He used to make this dua. That's what we're learning. It's not, you think he just wrote the dua in the book and he didn't make it? Hmm? It means, Imam Zali was making this dua at night. He was so worried. Hmm? What, what am I seeing around me? Can you imagine what he would feel if he saw the ummah today? But is there anybody like Imam Ghazali today making this dua for the Ummah? 
the way he was making dua back then. Hmm? Allah Akbar Kabira. So this is a dua that a person should make if they or their friends or their group or their people or their country is afflicted with some fitna. Maybe some ideological fitna, maybe some other crisis. Hmm? Don't, don't destroy all of us. Hmm? We know it's your fitna. In here, illa fitna toka. It's a fitna that you have sent, yani. Your fitna means it's a fitna that you have decreed and you wish to happen. We accept it. We're ravi. Hmm? But don't. And we know you will end up, some people will end up astray because of this fitna. And some people might even get more guided and closer to you to this fitna. Hmm? And then, so this is another way of dua. So sometimes you say this before the dua, the anta, will you, now you mentioned that. And sometimes you say it at the end. Sometimes what's happening here, Nabi Muhammad is running out of words. He's making us running out of words, so he's just calling up on the top of the bus. He can't say, Bebas ho ge, Allah, doste ya, brahmane ya, baghfare. Anta waliyu na, faghfir lana, warham na, wa anta khairul ghafirin. Sometimes these du'as, you can't make the first part, just do the last part. When you don't have words to express to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, go straight there, just say, Rabbi, anta waliyi. رَبَّنَا أَنْتَ بَلِيُّنَا فَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَرْحَمْنَا وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْغَافِرِينَ Use these du'as as a launching pad for your heart to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Next du'a that Imam Ghazali brings, Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. So he basically starts with the du'a of the Anbiya because most of the du'as in Quran are from the previous Anbiya. The du'as of Nabi Kareem Sassam are almost entirely going to be found in the hadith. <coughs> so the very end of this, Rabbana alayka tawakkalna wa alayka anabna Three things. Alright? You can quickly read in English the context of this. So this is a, you know, very, uh, critical moment in the life of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. Alright? Critical moment. When Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam says to his people, says to his father that he's going to renounce their deen and their false worship. Alright? And then, you know, it's, that's it. They're separated forever. Hmm? And then he says, look, yes, I will ask Allah SWT to forgive you, but I can't do anything for you anymore. This also happens in life. Hmm? So, but then dua, Rabbana, it's not enough to feel it, you have to say it. I also tell you this. It's not enough that you have to say it, 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 you have مگر جب آپ اس بے بسی کو رب کو ظاہر کرتے ہیں پکارتے ہیں تو وہ آپ کی دین بن جاتا ہے دس از اسٹیٹ نبی ابراہیم لائف دیر از نتنگ مور ہی کین ڈو ہی سیز دیر از نتنگ مور آئی کین ڈو وہ میں امل کو لکا من اللہ من شے آئی ہیو نتنگ نو پاور نو نتنگ ایلس آئی کین ڈو ان فرنٹ آف اللہ تعالی من شے ان فرام اینی تھنگ بٹ دین وٹ از اٹ سبق فرسٹ دین یو گو ٹو دعا And you keep making, there is one thing you have left. There's no sabab you have, nothing in dunya you can do. But now you turn to dua, Rabbana alayka tawakkalna 
that oh our Rabb, we have to wakkal on you and you alone. Our ultimate, primary, absolute, complete, reliance, dependence, hope is on you and you only. anabna, And to you alone is our inaba. Now in one sense, inaba means our final return. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Inna lillahi wa inna raji'un. That we are going to turn to Allah Ta'ala ultimately on the Day of Judgment. And it also means that process of returning. Inabat illallah, ruju illallah, turning to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. So both meanings are there in Arabic. The primary one that ultimately, in terms of Day of Judgment, Akhirah, after death, our return will be to you and you alone. And therefore, in this life as well, leading up to that death and day of judgment, in this life as well, our turning is to you and you alone. And if you will, these are like the two master attributes of du'a. Du'a is ultimately tawakkul and ultimately inaba. Alright? وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَسِيرِ وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَسِيرِ so you could you could take either one in either shade. You could say anabna is the ultimate going and masir is the sayer now. You could take it the other way that anabna is the inaba now and al masir is the ultimate uh, returning to Allah subhanahu wa taala. All right. Uh, probably better to take it this way that inaba here means turning, repenting to Allah subhanahu wa taala now, and al masir means the ultimate return to Allah subhanahu wa taala. Thus we're going to stop over here uh, because actually they inform me that uh, Zohar is not 1.30, it's actually at 1.15. Uh, so then because we need some time to go, pray sunnah, some people have to make wudu. And inshallah we will, uh, well, 1.40 inshallah we can restart inshallah.